Suzanne Gould, and my little tidbit is about Chris Hobbs. Well, he was one of my son's friends, and I taught art at Phillips Middle School, and my room was right next to the basketball court. So I got a special insight into seeing Chris out there on the court getting every rebound. So my thought about Chris when I think of him is uh, we had a birthday party for Avery. I think he was 15 years old, and all the boys from the basketball team came out there. And when I say the basketball team, this was the Phillips Middle School basketball team that went on to become the high school basketball team. Hopefully we'll try as hard as we did this year to be back in the same predicament. And um, Chris was a lot bigger than the other boys. He always was a big guy. And we had a tiny daughter who wanted to be included in this birthday party, and she decided that she had to have a tea party. Happy birthday. And so she got her little tiny teapot out in the teacups, and Chris sat down on the corner of the table, and she wanted so much to be in this party. And Chris seemed to be the only one that noticed how much she wanted to be in the party. And he accepted her offer of a drink of her tea from her tiny teacups and his great big hand around the tiny cup. He sipped the tea and just made her day. And I just thought about what a wonderful guy he was and was such a big, gentle giant. Because his hand was huge around that little teacup and she was sitting there beside him and he was just so big beside of her. It was just a, a beautiful memory of him. Chris Hobbs, six foot six, will go up against Ty Hunt. So we're about ready for the championship game tonight. Boys three in competition. Monday, February 16th, 2015. In Durham, North Carolina, the high temperature was 27 degrees. It was the beginning of a cold week, with freezing rain overnight and temperatures not eclipsing 40 degrees until the following Sunday. The East Chapel Hill basketball family had likewise been frozen by horrible news. Chris Hobbs, their brother, was gone, 33 years old. Initially, cause of death not known. Chris Hobbs was the guy that so many people considered a friend. He had a smile for everyone. He was so big and so strong, but at the same time, so approachable. In high school, you've got these different cliques and all that kind of stuff. You know, he he knew all of them. He was part of all of them. Everybody knew Chris. And he was just a big teddy bear. Chris is, you know, this huge, big basketball player, but he has the sweetest personality. And we got into this routine where we would see each other at a party or down the hallway of high school, and um, he would always be ready for the dirty dancing, like, jump, because he was the only one that he could pick me up and spin me around. And I can remember, I could see him from across the room, and we would just give this acknowledgement to each other, like, are you ready? Are you ready? 
and he would be ready and I could run and jump and he would spin me around and make me feel like I was light as a feather. And that is the Chris Hobbs I know. This is 123 Wildcats. And this episode about the life of East Chapel Hill's Chris Hobbs doesn't have an ending everyone wants to talk about. This episode is a tribute to Chris. It's about Chris Hobbs the person, as well as the player. It will be about his playing days at East Chapel Hill. Gets off the bus, 6'6", pure athlete. You just simply could not move Chris. I mean, he was a totem pole down there in the, in the post. And about the knee injury he suffered the summer before his senior season. You know, he injured himself on the last game of the last day of prep stars. It's also about his recruiting, his time at Clemson. You know, he was a heck of a college player. And his life after college basketball. To continue that tribute, here's Chris's father, Greg. He is a basketball player and basketball star, whatever. But I think the thing that brings me the most satisfaction and the most peace is that people talked about him. They talked about what a good kid he was and what a good man he was. It's hard for the players on this team, the coaches, the managers, anyone associated with the Wildcats, who so much want to celebrate their time together and their remembrances of the late 1990s. Because thinking about those good times means they're thinking about Chris. Even to this day right now, when, when people even speak of Chris, you know, it just it touches you. There you heard East Chapel Hill assistant coach Toby Lucas His voice will be back when we discuss a legendary effort by Chris Hobbs during his sophomore season. You know, getting the news that that he was gone was just, you know, to any any parent that loses a child, it's just, you know, just devastating. Just devastating. And I, I still, you know, it was just a ton of grief. And what I remember is going into his funeral down in Fayetteville. And just seeing that church just filled, you know, with people on both sides. And and I just kind of remember looking there for a minute and just kind of saying to myself, how many people loved my son? How many people that he touched in his short time that he was here? It's a hole that'll never be filled, but just knowing that how many people he touched and loved him just kind of filled my heart a little bit. I don't know for sure if it was the 2013 or 2012 North Carolina State Fair, but I know that I bumped into Chris Hobbs one of those years at the State Fairgrounds in Raleigh. If it was the latter of the years, it would have been about 18 months before he died. Chris was his typical self. He, he looked like a kid even then. He was 30 years old, but he still looked like a kid. I didn't just know Chris from covering the team at East Chapel Hill when I worked at the Durham paper. After two years on the high school beat, I moved up to cover colleges, in this case, the University of North Carolina beat at the Herald Sun. So when Chris was at Clemson, I saw him play several times. I wouldn't say we were close by any means, but I had seen him and interacted with him well after high school. You know, he just looked like he was having a grand old time. He was, you know, the potato sack thing where you go down the little slope. Yeah. That's what he was riding when I saw him. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. In the pictures that 
friends have shared over the years on Facebook that have Chris in them, that's what he looks like. The guy who was friendly with everyone, had a smile on his face. In my interviews for this episode, I've learned that Chris might have been a little more reserved when he was younger. Part of that was he was just younger and still kind of growing into his personality. Here's teammate Brad Woolley. You know, how do I put this? So Chris was, he was a freshman and his parents were very protective of him. I'm going back to when I met Chris. I remember his parents really trusting my parents. He used to spend the night in my house a lot. You know, and I remember that being a big deal for him and a big deal for his parents. I mean, he was like family to all of us. And, you know, on the weekends, he was at my house or Brian's house and, you know, with us. You know, we watched him grow up. You know, he went to Clemson. We went down there and visited him, you know, hung out with him. So he, he was truly a, you know, a best friend, a, a, a family member. And him passing away, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to make sense of it. And I guess I don't even know all the details. I don't. I don't. I, I couldn't bring myself to ask his parents all the details, um, but no, it, it's a major void. Even though his playing days were over, Chris Hobbs still had plenty of life to live. That life was cut short. It's likely that he died sometime before or during the long Valentine's and President's Day weekend. The word of his passing became public that Monday. Greg Hobbs shed a little more light on the cause of death. I think it was a combination of of some things. Uh, It was his arteries were were clogged, which led to basically a heart attack um, that that took his life. Because he, you know, when he stopped playing, when he came back from Europe, he got really heavy, and then he'd drop a lot of weight, and then he got really heavy again. And he was at his, you know, he was pretty heavy, if not close to 300 pounds, you know, because last time I saw him, we had dinner together. And, uh, you know, he was at one of his heaviest states, and... Um, I remember talking to one of um, the places where he worked, and she said that night that the only thing he complained about was, you know, he had a cold or something. But it, it was heart-related that that um, basically a heart attack slash stroke that, um, that that he died from. Eric Henderson was another key freshman for East Chapel Hill's first team. He played at Phillips Middle School along with Hobbs, and the two were extremely close starting in middle school, going through high school and college and even beyond college. I mean, I hung out with Chris. Yeah, we were we were real close. I know he's in a better place. And uh, yeah, we miss him. We miss him all the time. 
after college, we lived together in Charlotte. The last house he lived in, I was I lived across the street from him. You know, like we were we were really tight, and um, everybody loved him, and he just was a really genuinely nice person. Here's Wildcats guard Paul Kindom. To have one of your special teammates from one of the best times of your life you know be be taken away it's extremely difficult you know i i think of him as as a brother and i looked forward to you know anytime i got to see him whether it was out around town or or hanging out you know he was just such a happy guy and and so much fun to be around yeah it 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 takes some of the joy out of this interview and out of anything that you know this team does together it definitely takes some of that joy away. You know, for me, when when it happened, I had already experienced with my late wife passing uh, years prior to that. You know, I had already experienced a massive loss like that. So maybe it was a little bit more more dull for me than maybe it was some of the other players. But it, it is, it, it's, uh, it's really difficult. For me, Chris Hobbs was somebody that I was very, very fond of and getting to know him, you know, he's somebody that that has always been and always will be, you know, near and dear to me. That was Shawan Robinson, Chris Hobbs' teammate and roommate for two years at Clemson. Robinson is now the boys basketball coach at Panther Creek High School. Chris Hobbs' funeral was the Saturday after he died, February 21st, 2015. The NCHSAA's basketball playoffs were going on at the time, and that Saturday, both Ray Hartsfield's Wildcats and Shawan Robinson's Panther Creek Catamounts had playoff games that evening. The Wildcats played at Greenville Rose High School. Robinson's Catamounts played at Greenville's D.H. Conley High. Shawan Robinson regrets that he couldn't make it to the funeral. He remembers that day vividly because i was going to go to the funeral but we had like a snowstorm and um we had it was like my first year as the head coach we had a state playoff game down in greenville on the day his funeral was it was a saturday ray hartsfield did make it to the funeral before going to coach his team in greenville that was uh i I don't know that uh something hit me as hard um that day was just we drove down to Fayetteville for the funeral. This, the church was full of East Chapel Hill. Uh, stayed at the reception a little bit afterward, and then I had to get back because I had to get on a bus and head to uh, Greenville Rose for the first round of the state playoffs. It was surreal, and just didn't the focus that I needed for the ball game. My wife was worried about me. I'm like, I'm good. I'll be all right. Somehow or another, we're, we're down by almost double digits at halftime. We came back and won the game. I talked to the kids on the bus afterward and told them what happened that day and then how they lifted me up. I was real. I, I needed something that day even to just keep hope springing. We had, boy, you watch kids grow up in, in this profession. Uh, at that funeral, I was so proud of Eric Henderson, the way he eulogized Chris. He was amazing up there. It was obviously never going to be a happy occasion, but 
a lot of people saw a lot of faces they had not seen in many years. I was looking at it, it hit me the other day. After winning the game, I saw a picture. I think my mom had it, you know, and I'm I'm crying on Coach Hartsfield's shoulder in pure bliss, just totally uh, enamored that we won. And then I remember at the funeral, crying on Coach Hartfield's shoulder again, because he was like a second father to me. And I feel like we had just lost one of our family members. You know, it just brought it full circle, the ups and the downs. That was Cooper Healy, the player who was actually at the scorer's table in the state championship game waiting to check in when Chris Hobbs came to him and said he was going to be okay to play. Chris Hobbs had back spasms during that game. His return was in doubt. Cooper Healy and Chris Hobbs were also good friends. I've talked to all the guys about it, and I know it's not easy. Yeah. It obviously brings up memories of Chris, and I know that leaves kind of a gap in the joy that you should have. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I miss him tremendously. Not only was he a great teammate, but he was a great friend. We could all, you know, share anything with with each other. When we needed help, we could call on one another. We had the connection of brothers. The good times, the bad times, it was all thrown together. And and I'm sorry, Neil, I've really... I know it's hard, and you don't have to continue. Oh, I, I, I have everything to share. Um, he was, you know, one of my best friends, and I really enjoyed growing up with him, and I learned so much from him. We respected one another to the nth most degree. It was everything. It was basketball. It was life. In and out of the classroom, uh, we did everything together. We started emulating the kinsmanship that... Brad, Brian, and Paul had, um, you know, how the upperclassmen would stick together and, and just do everything together. We, we shared our meals um, after school before practice. Um, that was another thing we did. Um, as, as all of us as teammates, we would go to one another's houses and share meals and talk about everything. Freestyling together, laughing, um, challenges in school, um, trying to help one another with our studies. Talking about the girls uh, there at East, growing up watching Tar Heel basketball and trying to emulate Antoine Jameson's quick release or Eric Montross's just sturdiness down in the post, trying to do stack houses, reverse jam on parks, Dante Calabria, how he was not only getting all the women, but shooting threes that you couldn't believe. We were practicing these moves together. The way basketball just connects us all and um, how it shapes lives, uh, dreams, goals, how it, it, it strengthens personalities and shows your, your weaknesses. There's nothing, as Coach Hartfield said, there's nothing that beats hard work. And he's right. There's nothing that beats hard work. And just... You know, how, how much pride you have that goes along with doing your best. And that's what made the championship so sweet. Is we had the whole season of busting our tails, working hard, trying to be the best. Not knowing what the future was going to hold, but 
knowing that this was now, this was our moment. Let's do it. Like, I'm on, let's set the tradition. Let's, let's make history. And we all just enjoyed that idea. It really motivated us. It, it really brought us together. And we were striving to do great things. It's a tragedy. Um, and I will always remember him and keep him in my heart and think back to those days together. And, and they were just, honestly, I think they're the best days of my life. But I certainly miss him. I miss him a lot. And freshman Chris Hobbs, six foot six, will go up against Ty Hunt. When you watch the clip of Chris Hobbs scoring East Chapel Hill's first basket in the state championship game, the ease with which he takes that shot, an elbow jump shot, 16, 17 feet, and just how he he lacks hesitation. He's not scared at all. He was 15 years old, playing on a college court, the normal home of a team that his family grew up rooting for. He received that pass from Brian Fitzgerald. No hesitation, immediately took a jump shot that for a player his size, probably Hickory would let him have that shot all game. And he knocked it down, no problem. He went back down the court, he pointed at Fitzgerald for the pass, and he got ready to play defense. It just looked like a guy who was college ready, even then. I didn't realize the afterwards just how how big he was. I mean, he was a he is a big kid. That's what he was a, a freaking kid. That's Ty Hunt, the starting senior center for state championship opponent Hickory High School. The next year, Hunt would go on to play defensive line for the East Carolina football team. Remember in episode two when I mentioned Coach Hartsfield talking about the meet-and-greet with players and parents the summer before the school opened. That's one thing that Coach Hartsfield told me that he remembers. The first time he, he saw Chris walk into the gym, he said, you know, this this really big guy wearing a full Carolina uniform walked in. Yeah, he got indoctrinated pretty heavy because there's three of us. Two of my brothers and myself went through, went through UNC Chapel Hill. There's a picture that I have of Chris. He may have been six months old or whatever, but it was uh, the Daily Tario. It was Dean Smith's, uh, when did Dean Smith win his first championship? What year was that? 82. Yeah, so I brought it home and it's a picture. I put it on his lap and he was just a couple months old with the Daily Tar Heel that Dean had won his first one. So he was indoctrinated pretty heavy for myself and uh, his two uncles. So he, he grew up liking the Tar Heels for sure. After Hobbs' freshman year, The word was out about the muscular 6'6 rising sophomore with fluid moves and a nice touch around the basket. Barely inside the line there as Hobbs scores for Chapel Hill. They're going to put pressure in the backcourt against Hickory and the Red Tornadoes will pass it to Jovan Hoover. was invited to the big summer camps. Shoe companies were offering to outfit East Chapel Hill in their apparel. Ray Hartsfield's voicemail was full of offers for the Wildcats to play in out-of-town tournaments. And the mailbox at Chris's house 
was regularly stuffed with letters from colleges from across the country. Duke and UNC had showed interest. Greg mentioned the light blue leanings of his family earlier, but also he worked at Duke and had occasion to get to know the basketball coaching staff there. And that period of time, I was employed at Duke. I was, I knew Coach K and Coach Dawkins because we were producing the, the Duke basketball show. But I do remember when he first realized that Chris was my son, because obviously they'd heard about him and, and we were, I don't know if we were doing a show or getting ready to do one, and his, the look on his face like, you? Him? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's my son. And that's when Coach K made the connection that, uh, yeah, this the guy that they'd been looking at was actually my son. We'll address one part of Chris's sophomore season in a bit. After his junior season, Chris Hobbs was one of the most sought-after players in America and was likely on the short list for the McDonald's All-American game. Chris missed just about all of his senior season at East Chapel Hill because he tore an ACL, the anterior cruciate ligament, in his knee. That injury was suffered in July Here's East Chapel Hill's Aaron Uhlenberg. You know, you, you kind of like start thinking about his career and things like that. And I don't know if you know, he injured himself on the last game of the last day of prep stars. So like an inconsequential game that he was going to, um, at that time he was being recruited by everybody in the ACC. We were at prep stars and like I said, the last game of the day, which, you know, prep stars is, it's really just like a team building camp. We were supposed to go after that game straight to Clemson. Like Eric was there, he was going to drive Hartsfield, me, Chris, Cooper, and Colin to Clemson to do like a recruitment tour. And I don't even think he was going to play in that game, but I guess he just thought, you know, he always wanted to play. So we played, and that's when he tore his ACL. So he had like a cast and crutches that he had to get, and then we had to drive from Charlotte to Clemson. He eventually picked Clemson over scholarship offers from NC State and Wake Forest, among others. Here's Larry Shiat, the Clemson coach at the time. Our story was that we didn't start recruiting Chris until about his junior year, early in his junior year. And uh, as you well know, Chris suffered a ACL injury right at the tail end of recruiting the summer going into his senior year. And at that time, I'm not going to name the schools because there would be no no sense in, in doing that. But there were a couple of prestigious schools recruiting Chris still. But he was such a good person from such a wonderful family and a great student that there was no risk. He was going to be a heck of a college player. So the short story was after his injury. Uh, early August was when my family always took off to Canada, and we, we got seven days together. That was it per year, but you know what? We took advantage of it. We owned an island way up in northern Ontario. Before I left, this event had taken place, and I had called and said, I'm so sorry, but you're going to be fine, probably like every other coach. When I got to our cottage in North Bay, Ontario, I made a decision. I told my son and uh, the rest of the staff. And I said, uh, we're going to offer Chris, period. Uh, We're going to offer him. He's going to get five years in this or four years. We believe, and if we believe, we've got to show that family. So 
he literally had probably not been injured a week. And I called Trump Canada. And I said, I just want you to know. And I called his coach too and said, oh, we're going to offer. I'm very comfortable doing that. You're going to be fine. In the event for any reason you weren't so fine, we're still going to be committed to you on and off the court. And it was a short time later that he called and said, uh, I more than appreciate it. And I'm all in. So that was the interesting Chris Hobbs beginning with Papa Shai. The knee injury meant that Chris played in just two games his senior season for East Chapel Hill. Many people I called just for their memories of Chris, people who knew him after high school. He really was as good a person as I've ever had in my 43 years of college on and off the court. I talked to Matt Doherty, the UNC coach at the time who coached against Chris when Chris was at Clemson. He was a hell of a player. I mean, he was a load, you know, who, you know, who had some skill and athleticism, balance. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a good player. I talked to Phil Ford, who was part of the Bill Guthridge staff at UNC that would have been aware of a young Chris Hobbs at that time. He was a powerful player, but he was skilled too, you know, and, and that's a combination you don't, you don't see a whole lot. Uh, he was a great kid. Got to know him, you know, just by him being around Chapel Hill, you know, when he was just around town. Uh, he was just always a very pleasant, good kid, I remember. I even talked to Wes Durham, who was still calling games for Georgia Tech. He's now an ACC network announcer. He saw Chris Hobbs play several times. His size, just his physical size and his physical presence was the first thing that caught your eye. And then when you watched him play, the second thing that I noticed, the soft touch he had. I thought for a big guy who was cut up as much as he was, he had an incredibly soft touch. And I thought, man, okay, well, this is pretty interesting. You don't normally see this at the collegiate level. You usually see big guys and they're burly. And no question, he had that side of his game to him. But the soft touch was also something that you saw and you went, hmm, wow, okay. At Clemson, as a part-time starter his freshman year, Chris Hobbs had six double-doubles. Hobbs was a member of the ACC's all-freshman team. His sophomore year, he scored 25 points in a game three times, including a 25-point, 10-rebound effort against top-ranked Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium. That season, Hobbs was a starter, and he averaged... 11.6 points, and 6.1 rebounds a game. Against North Carolina, Chris was part of a historic upset. The Tar Heels came into Little John Coliseum in mid-February on an 18-game winning streak. This was Chris's freshman season. North Carolina was ranked number one in the country, 11-0 in the ACC, and Clemson was at the bottom of the ACC standings at 1-10. The Tigers won 75-65, with Chris scoring a key basket late in the game to extend Clemson's lead.
Matt Doherty was, of course, a player also at North Carolina. He said it makes sense for players to have extra motivation to play well against those teams they grew up following. Yeah, no question. I think, uh, you know, for me, going back and playing in New York against St. John's uh, in the Garden meant a lot. You know, for Chris, he wanted to probably show a little bit, you know, he's a competitive guy. I want to show you that you made a mistake. That's human nature. So that makes total sense. And that's the, the challenge in recruiting. You know, sometimes there's someone in your right under your nose and you sometimes always think there's better father away from home, you know, and it's like the girl next door, you know, all of a sudden you realize the girl next door was pretty, pretty good looking and you probably should have, you know, probably should have paid more attention to her. And I think that's human nature too, but you only had so many scholarships too back then. And, you know, I remember my first year, I think I couldn't offer Chris Paul a scholarship. I didn't have a scholarship for Chris Paul because we had those restrictions. And so, you know, that makes it tough as well. He probably reminds me uh, as a basketball player, a little of Julius Peppers, you know, his body, his movements, his athleticism, his skill level. And that's high praise because I, I, I think Julius was one of the smartest players I coached and could have played in the NBA. It's funny that you mentioned Peppers because obviously they played against each other in college. Right. They also played against each other in high school. Chris's sophomore year was Julius's last high school game. East Chapel Hill beat Southern Nash. No way. conversations with Chris beforehand, you know, because I knew, you know, Julius was, you know, Julius Peppers and I and I heard about him and and I knew it was gonna be a big game and it was kinda like not that those two were the only two on the floor. I just kinda was telling him, you know, just go out and play your game and, and you guys will be all right. And he played a really good game. But I do remember just the excitement of the game and I'm looking at Julius Peppers like, God, he's huge, you know, even in even in high school and uh but the guys and Chris, they, they held their own. I, I was quite proud of them, the way the way they played. Greg Hobbs totally undersold his son's performance that night against the future NFL Hall of Famer. The final stats for Chris Hobbs, 25 points, 11 rebounds, as East Chapel Hill won 68-51. Julius Peppers, a guy who played in the Final Four for North Carolina, finished the game with a quiet 13 points. Here's how assistant coach Toby Lucas remembers a conversation with Peppers during one break in play. That'll be followed by an observation from East Chapel Hill's Aaron Uhlenberg. That was when, to me, it's like, okay, Chris Hobbs is not just a big kid. <laughs> no. He is a basketball player. He's, he's for real. He's for real. Jesus Peppers knew right away he was for real. He came over. I remember when we came down... And uh, we ended up getting a timeout, and we went out on the floor. was late getting to his bench, and he was like, what grade is this guy in? And I was like, he's a 10th grader. And Jesus was a senior. 
he was like, wow. And I think during that game, Chris might have had about 25 and 10 on him. Dominated him. Dominated him. Dominated him. I can tell you that the beginning of the game, because like at the beginning of the game, when they introduced people, he would go over and like shake the coach's hands. I remember vividly watching Peppers that I could literally see him like looking at Chris up and down like this guy's the same size as me. I'll never forget the way he looked at him. It's like sizing him up, like impressed, kind of like, like, man, Chris, in my opinion, uh, outplayed Peppers every time they played. And that goes to Clemson and Carolina as well. Craig Hobbs and so many others who loved Chris can marvel at his athletic ability for good reason. But what sticks with Chris's father in our conversation from last summer has nothing to do with going head-to-head with Julius Peppers or knocking off the top-ranked Tar Heels or playing professionally in Argentina and Sweden. You know, I know Chris, you know, he was, you know, that he he truly cared for people. And um, I think, obviously, that gives me more satisfaction. Not that I wasn't proud of his basketball accomplishment or skills in playing college basketball, which a lot of people don't do. But I think the more the fact that that he was a good a good human being and a good man is what makes me most um, proud about him. And I'm, uh, I've got a grandson from him, so kind of a remarkable story into itself. But he's going to be six in October, and he looks just like his dad. And um, the doctors are thinking he's going to be like six, 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 seven. He's a spitting image of his father. Thank you for tuning in and engaging with 123 Wildcats. At this recording, in between the release of episodes 5 and 6, we're at 1,100 downloads. Not sure what my expectations were, but again, happy to have this interaction. Quick shout out to B. Fitz, Brian Fitzgerald, our executive producer. He played Hurt a few weeks back in producing episode 5, and he continues to do great work. The song Shake Off the Cold in this episode is by a group called Nikki Meets the Hibachi. The voices and the guitars are those of Elaine Tola and John Gillespie. Some of you East Chapel Hill grads might recognize that name. Mr. Gillespie was an English teacher at ECHHS. We appreciate Elaine and John allowing us to use that song. Trivia from last week. What restaurant chain did both teams visit for a game day meal on 3-22-97? We had a guess on Twitter of Bojangles, and that was a good guess, but the correct answer is Golden Corral. The Red Tornadoes of Hickory had that GC breakfast buffet before departing for Chapel Hill. The Wildcats had an early dinner at the Golden Corral on NC-55 in Durham before heading to the Smith Center. This week's trivia question. In the 1990s, another first-year school in North Carolina won a state title. Raleigh's Leesville Road in the second semester of the 93-94 school year. In what sport did Leesville Road win the state title in its first school year? That's our trivia question. Find us on Twitter. Send me an email. All that info is in our show notes.
call into the Wildcats hotline, 919-867-1319. I want to make a special request. If you were at the state championship game, March 22nd, 1997, at the Smith Center, if you were in the Dean Dome that night, call into the Wildcats hotline and leave us your memories of the game. We will talk to you next week on One, Two, Three Wildcats! Hey, Neil, this is uh, Andy Jones. Uh, the picture of Chris in uh, your mention of lunch in the last podcast got me remembering, uh, you know, Chris was was the biggest dude in the entire school, and that, that counted uh, teachers as well. Um, but he was too young to go off campus for lunch, uh, so he was not allowed to go off as a 15-year-old. So I remember uh, game days, we had a, a little thing where I would pick him up a, a monster burger from parties because uh, he... Uh, he swore, helped him play like a monster. Biggest guy, but wasn't allowed off campus. Pretty crazy. Have a great one, man. It started with Brian and, and Andy and Paul and Brad, and the things that he and Eric picked up from those guys, they kept it going. That's what Chris means, you know, to tell guys, this is our tradition, this is who we're gonna be, and to have guys to continue it on. Started with that those four juniors and then Chris and Eric took the mantle you know Chris was the centerpiece literally he was the centerpiece and, and we always think so fondly of him and, and how he embraced that he would come back after leaving and going to Clemson and come and talk to kids uh, he loved being an East Chapel Hill Wildcat and when he talked to kids about what it meant sent tingles up your spine Man, just be coachable, man. Just be coachable. You gotta listen to coach, do what he says. Y'all work hard, y'all can do anything. That's Chris Hobbs. Okay, I guess that's my cue. My name is Edwin Coker. I went to East Chapel Hill High. I had the pleasure of knowing and playing with big Chris Hobbs. Once I found out he passed, you know, that was uh, slightly life-changing for me. That was very difficult. My daughter saw how much I was hurt by it and I was talking about him and showing her pictures and then next thing you know she pops out basketball season with the number 43 and that really touched my heart. I reposted the picture of it on my Facebook page, Edwin Coker, a couple weeks ago. Man, that was, that was a hard one to take. Man, Chris, I love you, brother. I miss you. I'll see you again someday. One, two, three, Wildcats. I am Suzanne Gould, and I had one other memory that I thought I would share. And that was when he was working at Maggiano's. Our family had supper out there for some special occasion, and Chris was working as a waiter there at that time. And although he was not our waiter, he came over to say hello. And at the end of our meal, suddenly these desserts, he just had brought lots of desserts to our table, many different kinds for us to try, and it was just like a blessing. We were just showered with these delicious desserts. And that was Chris. He was so generous and so loving and kind, and I, you know, I just really loved him. He was a great guy, and he's really missed a lot. So thanks. I'm glad you're doing this, and I hope that there's a good part of here about Chris. What a wonderful person he was. Okay, bye.